Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. The Kinky Cast is heard in over 150 countries. This week's episode is number 226. In our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships, views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present Whips and Chains. Woody and the Beast talk about dungeon kinks and implements. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for loads of information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com. Here's your hosts. Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is the Beast. Woody, we have an interesting cast. This is based on a listener's call-in, isn't it? It is. Uh, We have a bashful tag on our webpage, and if somebody wants to ask us a question without revealing their identity, they can just drop a question in there, and we will attempt to find somebody that can answer it. And the attempt tonight is us. Oh, we are the experts? Well, we've been at it for over 20 plus years each. each. So we have had a little a little experience with all these implements that we'll be talking about. Yeah, so the the name of the show is Whips and Chains and uh that is kind of going along the line of let's pick a play type and talk about the implements that go into it and how to use them. Sounds interesting. Do we have models for me to play with? In your mind. Oh, okay. Well, I've got I've got a couple of subjects already forming there okay well good deal all right so let's pick a topic here abrasion play abrasion play of rubbing the skin with anything from a feather to a cheese grater yeah and all things in between i have a lovely paddle it looks like a ping pong paddle it's got sandpaper on one side and it's smooth on the other and so you can give two very different effects by just dragging it over the skin two radically different effects and you watch them shudder when it's the soft side and all of a sudden it hits the the rough side quite entertaining we're going to kind of do this in alphabetical order i have one here called anal hook oh my it's like a fishing hook yeah i actually had fun with that the other night yeah they are a lot of fun actually for those who are trying to imagine what these things look like it's about I guess 10 inches from bottom to the top little eye hook, and then about halfway up, it has a ball on it. Yeah. And uh, you uh, fish it inside your friend, uh, and off you go. You can't, they don't get away then. And the balls come in all different sizes, and it's excellent for temperature play, too. Temperature? Oh, you keep it in the freezer? I keep it in the freezer. Oh, you are so wrong. Well, you got to play cool. Oh, that's a bad pun. <laughs> that was a bad one. Oralism. Well, that one's kind of a out of place here in one respect, since it doesn't require anything. It requires the mind. The voice and the mind's all it requires. It, it is, and that's probably one of the best tools that we uh, carry with us because our mind is warped, oh, well. and we can inflict a lot of strange reactions with our voice. Oh, that 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 we can, and we do forget that we have our best implements with us at all times. And in oralism, uh, music, sex noises, including listening to others have sex, all of those are included in this. It's, it's great for your father to be listening to you fucking somebody else. 
Uh, well, we we have done that before, and that has been a lot of fun. Yeah, some sometimes your bottles bottles do rebel though. Yeah, that's fun too. Bastinado. Well, again, it's not exactly a toy, but it's a great play. You just aim it at the soles of the feet. With sticks and stones, but don't break the bones. Uh, Well, no, let's keep it to flexible objects, but that's all you need there. Let's talk about bits. Mm. Gag bits, gags, ball gags, all kinds of things that you put in the mouth and they're held in with a strap. Yes, and some of my earliest adventures were with uh, a rubber-covered horse bit. Those are fun. Yeah, you want to stay away from the metal. Yeah, you clamp down on a metal and that's not going to do your teeth any good. Yeah. yeah. I say yours, I mean theirs. Yeah, there are are metal gags like the spider gag and so forth that's designed to hold the mouth open. But but if there's any movement, you want some rubber or some leather or something cushiony. Bondage in general. Broad subject. Are we talking rope, leather, chain? Um, Yes, yes, and yes. um, uh, uh, Fantasy bondage where they are uh, restraining themselves. Um, Broad, broad topic there. Any type of restraint put on somebody can fall in the bondage category. We've used leather cuffs. We've used just rope. We've used silk scarves. I, I remember once I took a sheet off a of bed and I kind of rolled it up and turned it into kind of a rope and just tied with it because it is something I had immediately that I could do something with. And prisoners have been using it to break out of jail for a long time. Here's one, and uh, this doesn't require a toy, breath control. Mm. I will make the disclaimer, this is edgy stuff. Edgy, and we're going to talk about edgy here in a little bit. But breath control is a hot topic with a lot of people. Sometimes what falls in the category of breath control is blood control to the brain. In other words, if you put your hand around somebody's neck, you're not necessarily cutting off the air. You're limiting it. But you're also cutting off the carotid artery, which can be a heart attack waiting to happen. Well, the bottom line with breath play is you're restricting the oxygen to the brain. And whether you're doing it by reducing the blood flow or or the oxygen's into the lungs, it's still reduced oxygen flow. And oxygen's a fundamental thing for life. And keeping the brain alive. Mm-hmm. Bullwhip. And then that would also include single tail and all things that strike with only one fall. Well, I almost feel unprepared to talk about this. We just add the bullwhip master on. Dante. Yes, yes, yes. Bullwhip master Dante. Dante up in Minnesota. And many people have raised this to art. They're highly proficient, highly skilled, and they can make it kiss or they can make it cut. A lot of practice is required to make this thing work right. Mm, consistently. Take a class. Anybody interested in whips, take a class because you'll learn a lot. And be prepared to practice. Practice, practice, practice. Butt plug. But who? Butt plug. Oh, one of the most talked about devices and one of the most fantasy-driven devices, but... And even taboo. And even taboo. Well, it's, it's dealing with that place. The butt plugs are hard to buy. Hard to buy? They are very hard to buy because there are so many forms and shapes and fashions and so forth. And a lot of people, their eyes get too big on their first plug. 
That is true. I've seen some monsters that will never work. And I've seen some tiny little ones that fall out on the first try. Yes, 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 yes. They, uh, I think overdoing it is a is a very common one. Uh, but some of the small ones, you should know better. That if it looks like your finger, it's probably not going to hold. Also, the, the taper angle has a lot to do with it. The taper angle and the length. Some of the plugs are so long that some people have problems wearing them because they apply pressure too deeply in the body. Speaking of which, I just happen to have one here. You can hear it in, in its wrapper. And these were sent to me by the nice people at Motor Bunny. And these are a guy toy. And so these are attachments for the Motor Bunny for a guy. And they are designed to tickle your prostate. Oh. And there's little fingers down here to tickle your balls at the same time. And I noticed that length is relatively short. It is. Actually, that once the insert it, I see some that are really long devices, yeah. and they just don't sit well with a lot of people. Well, do keep in mind that since you're straddling the motor bunny, you're putting all your weight right down. Mm-hmm. So you're pushing that thing about as far in as you'd want to go. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, over length on that one would be a bit of a problem. Definitely something everybody should explore. Men, women, tops, and bottoms. It is a very opening thing. We've had a lot of episodes on butt play and go back and check hygiene on that because there's some important things. If you're going to do it with someone else, you don't want to embarrass yourself. Mm, no. Cane. This is, I've, I've seen a lot of really bad canes out there. I see bamboo used. A lot. And bamboo is not a good cane material. It has a tendency to splinter. Does that? Yeah, depending on its age, greenness, etc. There, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with bamboo. The better cane is definitely rattan. Harder to come by, particularly yes. in the States. Yes. Uh, but you can buy them online fairly easily. And then you get into the synthetics. And that could be your control rod for your blinds. Yes, which it's is a, a very popular one. It's, it's a commonly per- perverted item. Uh, I made uh, a couple hardwood canes out of a uh, tropical wood called Merbau, and they are lovely. The thing about canes is you do want some flex in it uh, if you have a material that will break easily. Long and thin Long and plays, thin. and it has a nice give to it because it is so thin. And you want to smooth. Absolutely. Uh, any kind of an edge on there is going to do damage. Often you will want them sealed or plan on them being disposable. Yes. Uh, body fluids on a cane, especially if it's a porous wood type thing, could be a real problem. Cat of nine tails. A very popular concept. But you know what? I see very few of them out there in the play space. True cat of nines I don't hardly ever see. There is one hanging on the wall in my dungeon. You're unusual. Yes. I, well, I am unusual, but that's beyond the uh, discussion here. The uh, cat of nine literally has nine distinct tails. Mm-hmm. And most vloggers have many, many more than that. Right. Oftentimes, the cat of nine is the harsher implement because they are sometimes loaded or or knotted, knotted. on the ends. Yeah. Yeah, th- these are braided and knotted. I've seen some sick, perverted, twisted souls that have went even further and... Those are life-altering toys if you start loading with glass and Oh, no, no, no. We don't do that. Just leather, nice soft yeah, leather at yeah. the end. Which, which well, and the soft leather still still lands pretty hard. It does, but we don't want anything mixed in with it. No. 
catheter. Specialized toy for sure. Medical play. I actually took a class in catheterization, and I got to be not the uh, the, the test model, but I was the testor, and uh, I got to do the insertion on both a male and a female. And that is a very interesting thing. Now, if we had a nurse, we do have a nurse. Hi. Hi. Nurse Ratchet just uh, stopped in to drop some things off. And um, she's into medical play, but she does it for money. That doesn't make her a prostitute. That makes her a medical professional. Mm. There's a huge difference. Chastity. Um, We have an expert on chastity coming soon. And they're going to talk about male chastity and female chastity. These are interesting devices that can be worn for sometimes long periods of time. Along with that comes the warnings of keeping things sterile and uh, having things growing on them, which you don't want. The female chastity is really a hard, a hard road um, due to the anatomy and the biological functions and so forth. The female chastity belt just is difficult. The male variety which is a cock cage usually. CBT-2000, the most famous one. Uh, most, the most famous one, but which is known that is not a great long-term device because it can get funky really quickly. It can, and it is made of fully plastic, including a little plastic padlock. That means it can go through metal detectors at airports. It is a great first device. They're relatively inexpensive, particularly when you compare it to the better-made uh, custom items. By the way, I said go through the metal detectors at airports. Of course, now they have full-body screening, and they would see that. They would see it, but doesn't matter. Well, I don't know. Depends on your how how green your screener was. You could certainly uh, shock a lot of uh, the government workers. Yeah. Chemical play. I took a course on chemical play. That is really interesting. Uh, they went through all the different things from Tabasco sauce into capsaicins into different uh, peppermint oils. And, boy, you put those on certain mucous membranes and you can light somebody on fire. But the thing is, it doesn't do any damage. Uh, not not usually. Some of the harder core capsiums will. Uh, when you get into the, into the millions of Scovilles, they will actually cause, cause some short-term damage. The operative word is short-term, generally. Yeah. But on the same token, don't run it off the Scoville chart here. You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, the Carolina Reaper is not your friend in this case. On ours goes peppers, but that's beside the point. So uh, everything in moderation. Now I will go back. We had an episode a couple of years ago now on a device known as Instant Hail. Oh yes, oh yes, indeed we did. Yeah, uh, these uh, capsules are oil soluble; they're not water soluble. Milk is, or dairy product is, one of the ways to deal with them. And uh, the way dairy works is, it's a fat in the dairy that uh, is an oil. It attaches itself to the and it floats the uh, the capsule uh, away from the skin. Water just spreads it. Oh yeah, yeah. Go out and get a big drink of water after eating a hot pepper. It doesn't help you any. It just goes everywhere. Yeah. Clover clamp. Classic item. Nipple clamps are available in all kinds of, you know, nipple vice type things and clothespins and all the, uh, you know, uh, paper folder clamps and what have you. But a clover clamp is special. The harder you try to get away from it, the more it wants to hold on. Well, for a long time, one of the best sources – 
for clover clamps back before we had internet toy vendors was the third hand sewing sewing tool and it was a clover clamp used to hold fabric while you were working with it uh and in crafting prevents it from getting away yep and it is a i've heard them called japanese clovers and all sorts of things but they're ubiquitous now Let's talk about collars, collaring, collared, many times showing ownership, but many times it redirects a person's submissiveness. Once they have either uh, restraints on their wrists or a collar uh, around their neck, it changes the mindset. That's collar, period. It's this mental state that it creates on the wearer is the strongest factor in the collar the certainly there's an outward symbolism to the world but i think that the mindset it creates in the wearer is by far the uh, greatest i have to agree the crop simple writing crop there's nothing simple about the writing crop today but they've been around for hundreds of years yeah and there were many many varieties uh, for a long time they're from the riding bat to the riding crop and from and various lengths and the and the tips vary widely we're in kind of a an interesting part of the country here as we just go up uh, an hour north to Kentucky there's a lot of Amish tack stores they have a lot of horse implements on their farms and they have all the uh, leather goods you could ever imagine. And it, for a kinkster to go into an Amish leather store, it's eye-opening for the kinkster. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, it opens the eyes of the Amish if they figure out what's going on. Uh, yeah, I'm sure if they figure out what's going on. But your your typical farm, farm supply is a great source for the first explorations. Just drop into your farm supply. Most of them have an equine corner. You can pick up something really inexpensive that can let you start your exploration tractor supply company tractor supply southern states co-op uh depends on what part of the country yeah and many others all over the country and and it's a good place western wear stores Mm -hmm. they always have uh fun stuff like crops cupping a couple different kinds of cupping oh can you say michael phelps i could and i can also say fire cup yeah and i can say vacuum cup uh, fire cup is interesting. You you lay a person down uh, face first, and you get out some oil. You slather it on their back, and with fire cups, you have, put a little bit of alcohol in a cup and you light it on fire, and then you drop it directly onto their back, and the fire then causes an instant vacuum and sucks the skin into the cup. Mm-hmm. At that point, with the oil on the back, you can then slide it around, called race tracking. Uh, which, which word of warning, it can bruise quite quickly. Oh, yes. You will end up with, uh, first off, an interesting pattern on your back. Mm-hmm. And secondly, if you do racetracking, you'll have grooves. <laughs> Far cupping. Glass cups only, please. Uh, yes, please. And only use devices used for far cupping. Any other glass vessel may not have the strength to uh, handle the vacuum. There are cups designed specifically for this, and you will find them in a lot of Chinese medicine stores because this is believed in drawing poisons out of bodies. 
yes, yes, they they're they're, they're easy, easy to come by. I just don't want I want to encourage the listeners not to not to try their favorite wine glass, uh, stemless wine Ooh, glass. That that would a, be very bad. That would be very very bad. Uh, a mason jar, no, that wouldn't be good either. Let's move into the D's and talk about drop for a second. All of these different things that we've talked about so far can get somebody into kind of a high state that we call subspace. And uh, the top can get really involved and in, in this sort of thing. In top space. Top space. And then what happens after that? Well, when the endorphins are done and the scene's over and they, your body starts flushing all that out and you have a lethargic state that will come over you and often accompany with some mild uh, temporary depression. And this happens on both the bottom and the top, and that's why it's called top drop and subspace, because the endorphins are going on both of them. You know, the top is is all worked up about uh, taking the uh, submissive to some place, and the submissive is busy going someplace. Then it can uh, quickly go wrong from there. It requires careful monitoring communication after the fact. And water. Oh, fluids, of course. Replenish the fluids. A dragon tail, similar to a single tail. Single, but not. It's basically harkens back to the uh, wet towel in PE class locker rooms. It, it does. And it looks sort of similar. It's a rolled up piece of leather that comes down to a point. Mm-hmm. And you crack it in a similar way. Edge play. Uh, we've talked a little bit uh, earlier about breath play. That is definitely an edge play. Edge play is electrical play, knife play, and quite a number of other things. And once you get into the edge, this is not a, a junior level participation. This is definitely varsity. You want to make sure that you know what you're doing before you get into edge play. A lot of damage can be done. We, we really caution everybody. The, the term is a bit confusing, particularly for a lot of novices. Edge refers to the boundary, as in the edge, of the play activities. This is pushing the boundaries. Now, certainly a sharp-edged device could be used in that, but the term refers to pushing the boundaries or the edges of the normal play space. Thank you for clarifying that, because that's an important thing, because a lot of things can be edge play as opposed to knife play. And a lot of people do knife play sometimes very casually because if a knife has the edge blunted and your bottom doesn't know the edge is blunted, it's still got the same psychological uh, yeah, But don't, don't give away the story. Yeah, yeah, well, okay. now, now, I want to just uh, add a suffix to edge play, edging, which is completely different than edge play. Completely different. Completely different. But, again, we're pushing at the boundaries and edging with ing, you are pushing yourself to the edge of orgasm, but not going there over and over and over. I had a bottom that edged herself for three and one half hours. You are just wrong. I never told them. I told them to go edge. I thought they would go for an hour. Three and a half hours later, they sent me a photo of themselves, and they were looking like shit. <laughs> You are just wrong. Uh, 
All right, let's move on to electrical play, one of my favorite topics. Mine too. Uh, I'm teaching some some newbies about electrical play this weekend. Just picked up a shock collar at my local Goodwill today. Oh, they'll get a charge out of that. No. Electrical play, broad topic. Uh, First off, Uncle Abdul. Uncle Abdul wrote the book called Juice, and it is the textbook for electrical play. Please read it. Please understand it. And uh, it's it's a shame that you can't uh, find uh, an Uncle Abdul show anymore. Uh, he and I used to go around doing them back on the West Coast years ago. His famous thing is he would take a stake and run electricity through it to prove that steak is just like the meat on your body. It will conduct a lot of electricity and light up a light bulb. Yep. It does not take much through your heart to stop it. No, it doesn't. His book, Juice, is it back in print? Uh, it has been in and out of print. In fact, I saw it used on Amazon for a ridiculous amount of money at one point. I, I paid a ridiculous amount for mine. I paid 60 bucks for the book. But if you're serious about electrical play, you have no alternatives. Read Read, read if you're going to do electrical. And this can be the mild stuff such as TENS, which have rel- relatively mild risk factor uh, with something like a TENS unit. Surface level, there are certainly risk involved with the TENS, but it's relatively mild to some downright scary stuff, which is specialized e-stem equipment that uh, out there to cattle prods, to vintage devices, we put violet wands for some reason in here, even though they, they're a totally different category. They are. The, the tens and the e-stim units are pulling current through your body, small amounts in pulsating doses, mm-hmm. as opposed to violet wands, which are more in the radio frequency world of surface Mm-hmm. Uh, penetration to your body. Basically, they, they, they spread out on the skin and they don't travel into the body where a TENS unit will travel through the body. It can travel in. But now we get into the more serious stuff, electric fence chargers, cattle prods. Um, Which can be really dangerous depending on extremely dangerous. where they are on the body. Keep in mind there's a heart in there. And the, the rule for years is nothing above the waist um, there's a couple things. You got a brain up there on top, which uh, is an electrical central in your body, and you have a heart. Uh, you start mucking with the uh, electrical impulses there, you have a problem. Now there's one little exception in there, and that's called a bipolar device. And uh, if you want to do nipple play with electricity, it's a matter of using both probes of the tens unit on one nipple. So left and right of a nipple as opposed to drawing it across between the two nipples. And there is an even safer school that says nothing above the waist. Nothing above the waist has been the uh, watchword for years. Read it in juice. It says nothing above the waist. So be aware of it. And if you start drawing current through a body, you are going to cause some damage. Yeah. Endorphin rush. We covered that a little bit uh, back in drop. And so endorphins are, are kind of what we're going for. When, when you uh, slap somebody with a flogger or you uh, run somebody up, talking, uh, your, your voice, your teasing, all these things, you're starting to make an endorphin rush, and it is like a drug. And so when we, we say, you know, if you're playing with somebody that's high, they can't make 
decisions. And that goes back to our episodes on consent. You don't negotiate with a person high on endorphins because they are drunk. And just throw it out there. Somebody can be on endorphins for the moment they step foot inside the, the play space with you in the first of the evening. And the reason is, is they're all hyped up. They're all hyped up. I see an odd term, evil stick. Evil stick, yeah. This is a micro cane. It's the best way to think of it. It's a often wire, uh, sometimes carbon fiber, yeah. and hits that size, and it's got that kind of spring to it. So it's a mini cane. I actually had one of those with the carbon fiber, but it had a glass end on it that was like a, a, a pebble, like a stone. And that thing could get some speed going. And when it lands, you know it hit you. They're great for, for working with small areas and same damn spot. And by same damn spot, I mean you hit the same spot over and over and over. And a roughly moderate intensity, roughly moderate pace, and over and over and over. And it has a cumulative effect. It does. And it seems very tolerable for a while, and then all of a sudden it's not. Figging. I've heard that one in a long time. I watched a demonstration down, I think it was at Frolicon in Atlanta years ago, and you take a piece of ginger. You go to the, the store and you get a fresh piece of ginger uh, root, and you take a, a sharp knife and you cut it into a little wedge shape, and you shove it up a urethra. Always fun. Or you can use it rectally. Yes. Uh, just be sure you can retrieve it. That's the key of wherever you're inserting something, be sure you can retrieve it. Yes, it's never a one-way trip. So you're going to make some ER department extremely happy one night because you're going to be the talk of the department. Yes. When you have to go in and have your ginger root removed from your aretha. Our nurse Ratchet has seen many things lodged in people. She's nodding her head, yes. Fireplay. Well, we covered it in in a circumvent way with cupping, but that isn't what we're talking about here. No, it is not. Similar equipment in some respects. You're using wands with a combustible fluid, but this time we are applying it directly to the skin for sensation. When you say flammable, uh, anything from flash cotton, which is always exciting when that goes off, to alcohol, and other, you know, controllable fluids. And I say controllable because if it starts to spread into the skin, that fire is going to stay in contact longer. This is a edge play. You better know what you're doing thing because my partner was burned by somebody who was not as skilled as they needed to be. I am of the opinion that, that unless you are very well-trained and versed and practiced, Keep it to 70% rubbing alcohol. It's water-soluble. I've seen people use some really petroleum-based products, and those have so many potential risks about accumulation on the skin Mm -hmm. that they just are not good ideals. The same stuff that the far spinners use, no. That is, those are professionals. They've been doing that for a while. Well, the, well, the poi and the far spinners are using usually a petroleum-based product. It's just not a good idea for the average person to to be uh, their first experiments with, or uh, the thirtieth. Do take a class in this before you go too far. And the one thing about alcohol 
is if you do get a little bit of a fire going or if it, you know if you get too much on the skin your hand can swipe it off fairly fast and since your hand is tougher than somebody's back usually uh, it, it can go out quickly but whenever I do fire play I have a CO2 fire extinguisher nearby well whenever I do fire play besides extinguisher I put down a fire blanket under Yes. My subject, uh, that is something that is usually fiberglass-based. Not a synthetic. Material that uh, that is designed not, not to burn. <laughs> not to catch fire not and burn fire. into somebody. Yep. Yep. There are several materials out there. Uh, any kind of like a wool or something like that, too. It's a fairly heavy material that will. Well, a good fire blanket is like a welder's blanket. Which which I have and which I have used. And they don't hold fluids very, very well at all. Right. Now, we've made it down to flogger. Do we even need to discuss it? I think we've been there. Flogger is a, uh, unlike a single tail, it has many tails called falls. Uh, in this case, 20, 30, depending on the size of it. And the weight of the flogger is all about the sensation. You have length. What the tip of the fall is, shape what, of the tip, whether it is cut as a point or cut as a devil's tongue, depends on what it's going to feel like. The material, deer skin, uh, you know, standard issue leather, all these different things. The weight, and and this is interesting. Often, the heavier the material, the greater the thud, and the lighter weight the material, the greater the sting. Yes, uh, that might be counterintuitive. Now, this is one of those tools, though. It's a standard item, but this is going to require you to get your budding gear, get to a major convention, such as Frolicon or any of the others scattered around the country, because you really need to be able to shop for this. And we're not talking about just going to your local um, pseudo-kinky store. We're talking about going to a place where all the kinksters hang out where makers of these artisan-type floggers are, and you pick one up and you throw it, and you go, oh, yeah, and you fall in love really fast. But the problem is those those shops are limited to, I think Miami has one. New York and Los Angeles, of course, have some. You can find these traveling kinky shows these, around these, the country. Traveling. And a lot of vendor fairs are out there. Uh, New England Leather Alliance has a great vendor fair every year. Mm-hmm. A lot of clubs now are having their own vendor fairs. Just had one at the Red Chair to our south. Fun stuff. I even have a metalized mylar flogger. Very non-stingy until you turn a violet wand on. Specialized toy. Specialized fun it's, stuff. It's conductivity. Yes, it is. The cheerleader pom-pom is a flogger, uh, but it's pure and fun. Yes. Yes, it is. It's just wrong in many cases. Yeah. Gag, we've talked about gags a little bit earlier. The ones that I've seen are the ball gags. It has a rubber ball, sometimes with air holes in it, so you can just breathe right through it. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite is a dental gag, and that's the kind the dentist used to hold your mouth open. It works from the corners. Yes, it does. Of your mouth. You've got to be somewhat careful. You can ratchet that thing too far. You can, and you can dislocate a jaw. Or cause some micro tears in the edges of the mouth. One of the things that's very popular in theory is using a ring gag. This is a, a ring that is secured in front of the teeth to hold the mouth open. 
the with the notion you're going to put the cock through it. The mouth that can hold both the this ring and the penis that will go through it are very rare. <laughs> So don't be uh, sub, sub, subduced too easily. The rings you can get a penis through, they're not all that big, and they're not all that fun. Harness. Many types of harness. Uh, there's body harnesses. There's uh, pony play harnesses. There's all kinds of things that strap around your body in different ways. Well, the most uh, – what, what, what our listeners are going to be thinking of harness most of the time is a strap-on harness. Again, money – to get something a little beyond the basic, you'll waste your money on a inexpensive harness for strap-on play when just a few dollars more will get you a highly functional device. And there's also the harnessless devices that stick into the vagina and hold the dick. And you, with a good set of kegels, you can hold on to that thing pretty good. And if you can't, there's also one that goes up the anus at the same time. Yeah, two points of contact is better yeah. than one. Yeah, and so there's uh, uh, lots of possibilities. But uh, along the lines of harnesses, we have a little tiny harness that looks like an X, and it's for hog tying. You put cuffs on uh, the four limbs, person face down, pull all the limbs together, and with little four little clips, they're hog tied. And clips are the most common. They're usually leather, sometimes chain. I'll just issue the warning on hog tie. Monitor your bottom very closely when they're in a hog tie. Uh, this position can result in positional asphyxiation, which can be fatal. Many law enforcement agencies around the country have stopped using the hog tie as a way to restrain their prisoners. But we haven't. But we use them. But just monitor your bottom if you're going to be using the hog tie. A hood. Hoods are fun. Hoods are. They are. They can range from literally the paper bag, which is a great humiliation device, to something much more stylish out of latex or leather or any other number, but they are very depersonalizing. They are, and they have a lot of options. They have either clip-in or zip-down blindfolds on them. They have uh, some uh, with like a mouth cork that goes in that you bite between your teeth and it snaps on the front so you can't talk. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's available is your nose, and so it's a sensory deprivation. A lot of them come over the ears and have uh, foam rubber in them so that it completely blocks out the sound. So for sensory deprivation, some of them are amazing. And there is the one well, is the golden version, and this is two hoods in one. One fits tightly to your head. The other one goes over top and inflates. Yes, and it can inflate quite large, and it then presses the inner one against your face and head quite uh, snugly. And be sure that you're not doing breath play inadvertently when you're using some of these devices. Like Uh, they did on CSI uh, CSI. all those years ago. You are restricting often the oral intake of air, and if the nasal also becomes uh, restricted, your visual cues from your bottom have been diminished by the hood. Uh, just just pay attention. It is starting to get into the edge category. And one thing that everybody needs to keep in mind, if you're using a breathing tube on a mask or anything else for that matter, the length of that tube is critical because as a person inhales and exhales, they have to move an entire lung's worth of air out and in. And if the tube is too long, they're going to be drawing their own carbon dioxide back in. 
And so in some cases, they have these one-way devices to where one tube draws the air in, another tube lets the air out. And that way, they don't uh, get into a carbon dioxide buildup. Almost all of your gas masks use a exhalation valve, and intake is through a filter source. Right. This is a this is a topic in itself. There's so many variations on hoods and breath play. Horse, a horse. In this case, a horse comes from the sawhorse sort of thing. And there is a number of different horse-type devices that one can kneel on. Imagine a sawhorse to where the, the body is laying down the top of it. The hands go down the front, the, and they're uh, crouching on some uh, knee supports, uh, shin supports in the back. And so there's an A-frame-type horse. And then the derivatives go into spanking benches and things like that, which are more like a picnic table bench. But they're all basically for the same purpose. To immobilize your bottom in a bit position. Where you can do things to their rear end. Mm, where your target is, is well displayed. And sometimes the breasts hang down on either side, darn the luck. Uh, listeners, we just skipped through several letters of the alphabet. Has It's quite apparent that we only know our A through H is in our kink because we're down to the ends. Mummification. Well, we got AM in there. MU. Uh, that's uh, that is a bondage and uh, all sorts of other things wrapped up. It's 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 ultimately it's extreme bondage. Give me a roll of Saran wrap and I'm off and running. It's a it's a beautiful thing for the listeners. Most of your moving supply, all of your moving supply places, most of your home improvement stores have a thing called pallet wrap. Mm-hmm. Good uh, stuff. It's thick. It's thick, it, it's got a handle, easy to apply, and you can even get it in something approaching, like 18 inches wide. Imagine going to a moving store, you have pallet wrap, rope, boxes, uh, no, never mind the boxes part, go ahead. Boxes, put a hole in it, and 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 some furniture play. But this uh, pallet wrap does the place of saran wrap only only it's much more intense, and it's the stretch on it is really great. Needle play. Be sure you're doing follow your universal precautions. Edge play again. Edge play again. Uh, you're actually penetrating the body with a foreign object. Take a class. Play on yourself first. If you can't find a class, bite the bullet and stick yourself. Exactly. If you can't do it to yourself, don't do it to somebody else. It's kind of a rule of thumb here. Tops, practice on yourself. Nipple noose. Version of a nipple clamp. But this time, you're taking a fairly small diameter, dare I say, string, a nylon, something like that. Cord. Cord. And just lassoing the nipple itself. The problem is you are cutting off any blood flow to the nipple. And it will get very painful very quickly. And so be careful you don't kill it because nipples are a wonderful thing. And realize not everybody's equipped to do uh, uh, to wear a nipple noose. Um, some people have better targets than others. Yes, indeed. Nose hook. It's the anal hook for the other end. It is. In fact, I see them often used in pairs and attached to each other. <laughs> That's just plain wicked. It, it is. Um, nose hooks are kind of tough. It is definitely a humiliation piece. Because it holds your head in a very awkward position 
when you pull it over the top of your head and down and lace it through the anal hook, you can't move. OTK. Over the knee. Usually referred to spanking. This is kind of an old school spanking thing. It's kind of a daddy uh, baby thing. Uh, when you take a person over your knee, it's a very personal kind of spanking as opposed to putting them on a spanking bench. OTK is often a barehanded. Uh, sometimes a belt will be used, but rarely are any other implements because it is kind of, of a domestic-style punishment play. Earlier we talked about harnesses and uh, for strap-ons, and so that does bring us to pegging. I've seen the term used more and more of late than it used to be. Most often it is a female partner annually violating her male, and I will use the word violating because often there is a psychological thing in here that it is a violation. It is a humiliation, a, play. a humiliation, a degradation, a submission. Like many things in top-bottom play, humiliation play is a fairly big thing and broad subject. Pervertible. Everything? Practically anything. These microphones are pervertible. With a good condom, otherwise they're ruined. True. Go into your kitchen. I have a drawer full of pervertibles. I cook food with them, but they are certainly pervertible. Mm, certainly. My collection of knives, my collection of beaters, whisks, spoons, forks, you know, the, the list goes on. Anything that you can buy in a grocery store and use in a kinky scene is a pervertible. Well, it, it, it can lead to a great uh, impromptu interaction between two people, their sharing space, these pervertibles can. Pinwheel. More commonly called the Wartenberg. Let's get used to using the term Wartenberg. Well, I was in peas, so I thought I'd help. Yeah, so Just a wheel with sharp points on it. Short, a, a small wheel with very sharp points. Sensation play. Play party. Place where people gather to play. A play party can go any number of ways. It can be very casual. It, it can be uh, committed couples. It can be uh, poly uh people playing with each other or others. Uh, it is a very open term for a party. A party that has a physical element. And has a kinky element. Most usually. Even though the swingers may call it a play party, and they argue that there's no kink there. That is true. Predicament bondage. You already covered it in your discussions of the anal hook, the uh, nose ring or the nose hook. The hog tie, any of those are predicament bondage where a movement in one part of the body puts a stress on the other part. And the word in the description is difficult. Difficult, yes. And uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Challenging. Since we're in the peas, I'm going to pull up primal. Primal play is just when it gets very animalistic and you hear lots of guttural sounds and uh, people throwing bodies around and uh, having a great deal of fun, actually. And usually it's uh, largely sans toys. Yes. Um, you're bringing what Mother Nature gave you. Quirt. Very seldom heard. Very seldom. It's not unlike a rotting crop. And as a matter of fact, it's used for the same purpose, to motivate your steed or, or mount. But uh, where has a crop has a rather rigid, if flexible, shaft to it, the quirt is largely 
just a leather, tightly woven leather shaft with some tines on the end, not unlike a single tail, only much shorter. While we're down in this end of the alphabet, let's talk about red flags. That's a show in itself. Anytime somebody goes too far into one of these uh, situations that we've just been calling out, it's time for the red flag to come out. And that is the use of a safe word. And that safe word is often red. Often. Uh, I say often because it's not always red. But the thing is, it's that's a universal safe word. If anybody in a play space hears the word red, they know what it means. It's a take notice word for sure. Absolutely. And the, the top can call red as well. If, if a situation goes to where a rope breaks, something comes untied, something becomes too tight around a, a body part that is uh, dangerous like a throat, the top can yell red, draw attention, and get people to come in and help alleviate the situation. Right. Uh, this is not a bottom-only situation. Resistance play. Again, a whole show unto itself. Yes. But in its most basic form, the bottom is not an apparent willing victim. They are resisting or fighting what's occurring. In many times, it is an agreed power exchange resistance to where they are actually in a fight, dare I say, a wrestling match, dare I say, a takedown. Well, I would say all the time it's agreed to because it is, it's actually a form of edge play uh, resistance because you are taking some of the normal rules of the road out of play here. Yes. And you hear words like no, and I don't want, and you can't, and all of those, and those are words that you don't usually hear in a consensual. And so that falls in the category of consensual, non-consensual. And that is resistance often is in that category. Right. Not always, but often. And this is really rough play. And I, and I just want to caution anybody. It's not just a, a mild event. I have seen people end up in the hospital with uh, teeth pressed through uh, gums and things like that as they land face first onto the floor. There has been broken arms and what have you because it is a very intense thing. It is often sexually charged. And I've seen one that it was almost like a tango. They would go at each other. And uh, I was uh, sitting with a play partner at one of these and it was so hot and so sexy. We had to run up to the room directly after to uh, alleviate our situation. One of the things is in order for one partner to safely overpower another the differential must be huge because using enough controlled strength to overcome somebody that's fighting with all their might, the energy levels are just so high. So expect both sides to be panting and and sweating and risking um, injury in this type of play. Very, very hot. Here is something you don't hear about, reverse humiliation. Paying compliments and saying nice things in a way that it opens a subject up emotionally mm. to tears. Well, that is uh, – you, you, you hardly ever hear the term. I think many tops and bottoms, this is the way the relationship works. It is. This is in the more romantic side. And this is the way daddy and, and mommies interact with their littles oftentimes. And now on to rimming. Again, you have to 
you have to kind of think it's edgeway due to the health risk that could be imposed. This goes with the anal warning that I put out earlier of clean thyself. Yes. While you got concerns about HIV, your bigger concerns in this area are hepatitis. E. coli. E. coli and some other rather nasty bugs. But uh, if if one is going to do rimming, one has to take the precautions. And when I say one, I mean the bottom and the top to make sure that the partner is uh, clean. And I say that in a disease way and clean in a physical way. Since we're down in the R's, let's talk about rack for a second. One of the popular models come out in the 90s. Yeah, mid-90s, The U.S. Beagle Society uh, advanced it, uh, if I remember correctly, to supplement the safe, sane, consensual model. That safe, we- sane, and consensual. First off, what we're doing is not necessarily safe. We were talking about resistance play and going to the hospital. So if you want to use safe, that's kind of an oxymoron there. Uh, so it is risk-aware. You're aware that you may go to the hospital. But you understand what the risk is. So RAC is risk-aware consensual kink. That's my preferred model. The safe saying consensual is far too uh, subjective for it to be a safe model to use. Uh, There are even more more cautious models than RAC. Uh, There's one called PRIC, uh, personal responsibility. Uh, individual consensual kink. It just spells out the word responsible. Of course, what is sane? A lot of people would say what we do is not sane. Uh, crossing the road, though. Yeah. Driving. Uh, a lot of those are not sane. Going sane. out on the roads around where we live is not sane. Yeah. Safe call. Here's an important thing. We haven't done a show on that in a while, have we? we a long time ago, we talked about safe calls. If you're going to go play with somebody, especially somebody new, tell a friend, say where you're going to be, tell them the real honest-to-God name of the person you're going to be with and the address so that if something goes wrong and you don't turn up, the friend can at least call the police and go find you. We've had shows on this topic, too, is there is an anonymity Involved, we use a lot of code names, scene names, and oftentimes we don't know the real name of the person we're doing terrible things with. That is true, and this does go back to my mentor's story of many of the guys that wanted to play with her. She's a top, and she says, Hand me your wallet. And they go, What? If you want to play with me, I could kill you, but you won't give me your wallet? Mm-hmm. You know, think about that. You know, you're, you are putting your, a bottom is putting their life. In the hands of the top. And the top is putting the reputation in the hands of the bottom. Absolutely. And so it does work in both directions. Safe calls are important. Go back to uh, our episode called BDSM Nightmares, and a safe call was used in one of those. And uh, it was absolutely necessary. It did chase off the predator and help clean up the mess afterwards. And there was a mess. Along with safe call is safe meeting practices. And we've talked about that in length on this show about meeting in public about uh the first date don't play you know go to a restaurant in public meet this person and find out if they're the mad rapist or not and whether you want them to be the mad rapist or not that's up to you but the the fact is be safe 
the first time and then uh, kind of work things out, have safe calls, and proceed with caution. Once you get to know the person, you know, no holds are barred. But uh, in that first section, uh, stay alive. Stay alive for sure. St. Andrew's Cross. A Catholic reference to a cross that is in the form of an X. As opposed to a T. Because the T-shaped cross is not very functional for our play. The X-shaped cross is much handier. St. Andrew's Cross was actually um, put into service by the British Army. For flogging? For flogging, punishment, for stringing person up, for interrogation. Many things because it was a convenient thing. Uh, St. Andrew is actually crucified on it is the origin of the name. Uh, absolutely. But uh, it was popularized by the British Army. popularized by the British. A few words about self-bondage. Uh, often edge play. Because you're doing it by yourself, and if something goes wrong, you have nobody there. Well, if you're doing self-bondage in private, there is a growing trend of self-suspension. And these are, if this is done in a group setting, that's a different story. But self-bondage, the scary, the part we need to worry about is where you're doing bondage by yourself with nobody immediately there to provide assistance. I know somebody that put themselves in a um, a full bondage arrangement that had um, stock, body stocks that went across the middle of the body and had themselves all stocked. And when they had a attack of appendicitis, boy, were they in a bad way. Mm, they were a bad way. You're seeing things like the time locks and so forth crop up much more often as a facilitator for this type of play. You know, we've been around uh, over 20 years apiece, and we've seen a lot of this stuff, and we've seen a lot of it go wrong. And so what we're giving you is our viewpoint of what we have actually seen. And we're not trying to scare you off. We're just trying to let you know what happens if you don't think it through. Self-bondage. Stephen King wrote a whole book, Gerald's Game. Uh, go ahead and read that one for fun. Sensation play. We talked a little bit about uh, skin abrasion earlier. We talked about uh, different types of floggers. We talked about Wartenberg wheels. All of these things cause sensations. The kiss of a single tail on a spot of your back. I, I like to do tic-tac-toe on a back for, just for fun. And so we're, we're dealing with the skin sensations, trying to overload the sensory system of the bottom. And, yeah. and it's a lot of fun doing it. And so then we go on to the next thing from sensory overload to sensory deprivation. And we talked about the hood earlier that uh, blocks out the sound from the ears. Mummification is, is also sensory deprivation. What is? Mummification. Mummification, absolutely. You wrap somebody up tight in the palate wrap. That way their uh, skin all over their body is just being held tight by the plastic. So they're isolated from the outside and so what you then do is add something fun like ice and all of a sudden you uh, cause this feeling that people can't relate to because is it wet is it cold is it hot the body has a, a, a funny sensory system it has a hot button a cold button and an extreme button but it doesn't know if it's extremely hot or extremely cold which is why Icy hot, the capsaicin ointment, 
is named icy hot. It's neither hot nor icy, but the body says it's cold and the body says it's extreme or is it hot and it's extreme. It's extremely something, but it, the body's not sure. That's why it's called icy hot. And so uh, pushing those buttons intentionally are tremendous fun. Shibari. The proper name for our version of Japanese rope bondage, which is most of the work, modern rope work, falls in this category. As witnessed by Midori's book on Shibari. Yes. Uh, beautiful photographs um, that uh, of rope work that Midori did practicing the art of Shibari. Um, check it out. Check Midori out online. Lots of beautiful pictures of it. A signal whip, we talked about whips earlier. It is just a shorter version of a bull whip. Shambok, much talked about. I've only seen one or two of them. In reality, never seen it used. It's quite intense. It's a, basically, it's a, it's a heavy leather whip made from a extremely tough animal that uh, you don't crack it. It just is like a leather cane. It's made from the penis of a hippopotamus or a rhinoceros. Yeah, they are <laughs> uh, when properly used. They can take the the head off of a snake in one stroke. And there's variants on that. I have one downstairs, and it's just a piece of um, nylon material over a piece of foam rubber, and it resembles that uh, larger piece but when you hit somebody with it it makes a hell of a loud noise and doesn't feel like anything at all uh, and so uh, you can uh, attract attention with it and the sub wonders what the hell you did <laughs> which is again yeah. a mind fuck uh, mind fuck was not in here under m by the way a slapper it's a paddle with two pieces of leather that makes a loud popping sound again it's more of a mind fuck it is just a loud slap, yep. and the sub wonders why everybody's looking at you. Sam, smart-ass masochist, that goes without saying. Mm -hmm. um, somebody who just wants you to keep hitting them. Sock puppet. Oh, Kate Kenzie brought this up back, oh, in the first year mm -hmm. of the kinky cast. The sock puppet is an account that you have, say, on FetLife or Facebook or something, to not represent who you are, but to represent something that you're trying to get across, uh, a, an alternate persona. Well, sock pu pu puppets also are used, often has a harassment. So it's a persona that's not you. Yeah, has a harassment device. Many times I've seen it as it can be put up by a male portraying himself as a female to attract attention of, of other males to see what they write, that sort of thing. It's, it's an entrapment device. Ah, a sound. And that has nothing to do with what you're listening to. A sound is a interesting device. Usually a metal rod that's inserted into the aretha. Of either male or female. Or either male or female. It's, uh, it's smooth most of the time. There are some perverted people out there. This is edge play because your your universal precautions have to be very high in order to avoid introducing a something into the track you don't want in there. Yes, and uh, I have had it done to me, and I have then pissed blood afterwards. So uh, do keep in mind that this could be interesting. It, it, it was a very interesting sensation, by the way. And so I'm, I'm not saying it was a bad thing. I just you have to be aware of what's going to go on. 
Squick. Oh my God, you squick me. Expression of discomfort or revulsion in response to something. And so, you know, it's like, oh God, some people say, oh, I hate to see spunk in a play space. Well, you know, uh, if you don't like to see somebody coming on somebody else, then, you know. You're in the wrong place, probably. You're probably in the wrong place. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, oh my God, they're squicked by it. Subfrenzy. Boy, we've had episodes on this right back in the early days. Yep. You're new to the scene. You're a sub or you're Dom. You can be a Dom Frenzy also. And you go to the dungeon every time it's open. You play with everybody you can find until they won't play with you anymore. You must be in Frenzy. Must be. Suspension. One of my subs was a suspension sub, and she loved being hung upside down uh, by her legs. And, uh, I mean, she lived for it. And so I had all kinds of apparatus to uh, winch her up. Upside down suspension was what she's all about. And people can hang from specially made boots, uh, specially made uh, hanging harnesses. Uh, some people, and, and, you know, you've seen this online sometimes, people hanging from their wrists, ultra dangerous mm. to do that. You know, you're assuming the person maybe weighs 100 pounds soaking wet. In this case, otherwise there's going to be major shoulder damage. But um, a lot of people can hang upside down fairly easily at uh, various weights. Uh, just remember you're pulling on your ACL in this case. Vacuum bed. Specialized piece of equipment, but very entertaining. I've had a vacuum bed since 2001, and I ordered it from England. And it is a wonderful thing. It is a... Uh, rubber, and I'm not sure if it's latex or not. I think it might be because uh, some person with a latex allergy around their mouth had to put a wash rag so it didn't touch their lips. But uh, you put them in there. It has a zipper and a PVC pipe frame that then hooks up to a vacuum cleaner, and it sucks all the air out. It, it is certainly bondage because once the vacuum is drawn, you cannot move. It is extremely tight. And it is a sensory play. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was in it once, uh, somebody started by running uh, ice cubes up and down it. And the sensation is that it's actually the water. You can feel the water on your skin, but you can't. You have this layer of latex between you. Of course, then somebody gave me a hard on and hopped on and rode me until I came. And when I came inside the bag, I made a mess. Yes. But uh, um, it was still fun. If you ever get a chance to travel, take the opportunity. It is. And some people say, oh, it's claustrophobic. It's really not. It, it is really a very interesting feeling. Take the challenge and try it. Vampire gloves. I was given a set of these for a birthday present one year. Mm, they're just a pair of gloves with, a, with lots of pointy spots on them. Yes. And so... Just at the gentlest of touch will evoke tremendous sensation. Uh, it, it, there must be about 500 points on each hand. And so just a very, very light touch will send, it just makes your skin twitch mm -hmm. when you're touched by it. Violet wand. We covered that back in uh, electrical play. Again, a very fun thing, can be used many different ways. Wax play. Hmm. Now we're talking fun. And one of a lot of people's first entry levels into the uh, play arena. It's honestly fairly safe with uh, expiration. You can get a hold of some waxes that can blister those, so be aware of those. 
temperature of wax melting is extremely important. I have a special blend of wax that I uh, have ordered from a wax supplier. It has three different types of wax, and it all have a melting point in the 130-degree range. And so it melts at such a low temperature. By the time you start spreading it onto the body and it starts to, to harden up fairly quick, uh, you're dealing in the 100, 100, 120 to 125 degree range, which the body can certainly tolerate, especially if you put down a uh, aloe base or something like that that will help disperse the heat slightly and also allow the wax to come off. If you have that kind of greasy thing on your skin, the the wax won't stick as bad. But Woody, I must I go back. You're talking about using this to insulate the body in wax plate. You do not want to use such a uh, fluid to insulate the body in far play. Absolutely not. And that you want it absolutely dry. So for fire, you want nothing on the skin. In fact, you want the the skin clean of any body oils or anything. Mm -hmm. In wax play, you want an insulation barrier. And as a general rule of thumb, the harder the wax, the higher the melting temperature. This is not an absolute, but it's a general guiding concept. Mm Mm-hmm. My favorite thing to remove the wax is with a knife, of course. Which which is uh, a bit edgy. Yes, and, and tremendous fun. Um, I, I have many pictures of Easter eggs. I mean people that I've uh, encapsulated in wax uh, in beautiful colors. Uh, it, it's uh, tremendous fun. Uh, we'll, we'll have some pictures of these various things that we talked about uh, on a link page on our site. And I'll in, uh, include some of my uh, Easter egg people. Well, you know, we've got down to the end of the alphabet and uh, i hope that we still have a listener or two this has been really asked for by our listeners they wanted to know more about uh, the toys and the things that go on in dungeons and i think we've done an a to z here i think we have any comments we always like to hear your comments Uh, let us know what you think and also let us know what we can do for other shows for you without any further ado i say good night to you beast it's have a good evening woody You have been listening to episode 226 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we present Seven and Sex at Work.